Okay, welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast with me, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media. This is the show where I bring to you a story every single week from a recruitment owner around the world who's prepared to tell the, the reality of how they've got to where they are, how they started their agency, how they've grown their agency, where they're heading, warts and all. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Dan Fox. Dan is the co-founder of Trilogy International, Forbes Testing, Forbes Talent Solutions, and an investor in Quantum Six. I think I got that right, Dan. That was a mouthful. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Dan is... Uh, Dan, Dan is from the same sort of training school background as myself, and like, we actually came up against each other a little bit when I was in my recruitment days. So the name um, of Dan Fox was a little, a little bit of a legend in my office, which is a bit weird. Um, but Dan, pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to good to finally meet you. Yeah, likewise, no. you, you you've also got a reputation that I used to come to hear about as well, which is good. Hopefully, all good. Hopefully, but yeah, my my boss Claire. Who I'm going to send them, I'm going to send this episode to because I doubt she's ever listened to the show, but she'll listen to this one. She um she used to say I was like yeah just like you like Foxy but from the north that's what she said and I was like I hope that's a good thing. I don't know. Hundred percent, it would have been a good thing. Claire's wicked. She's great. You got schooled well. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. So Dan, I give you a very very basic overview. Um, tell us the truth. Like, if someone just says, "What do you do right now?" How do you describe it? What's your role? So I'm, as you said, I'm one of the co-founders, but I mean, how do I, I'll describe it as, you know, I'm a leader, basically. Um, I'm a leader of people. Um, you know, we, we set up our businesses, um, you know, some are a bit, a bit bit older than others, but, you know, my, my role is to, you know, to set the vision, set the strategy, and then actually bring people together and kind of take them on the journey with us. So, um, you know, I've always enjoyed just managing different people, be it, older people, younger people, guys, girls, whoever they may be. Um, but yeah, so I'd say my job is, you know, I'm, I'm a leader. That's, yeah, yeah and your team, tell us about this. What, what does the business look like now, helicopter view of what, what's inside? Yeah, so we're, so, uh, so people don't know Trilogy. We're a specialist in technology and, and business change and transformation. Mm -hmm. uh, we operate in the UK, Europe and the US. Um, we're 35 people. Um, right. If you would have asked us, if, if we did, would have done this podcast, two years ago i mean we could have named it trilogy domestic because i mean um 100 of our attention was on the uk mm. um and now 25 percent of our headcount is the uk and 75 percent is into europe and the us so nice. the, you know the business has actually gone through some you know transformational change itself um which has been brilliant and actually um it's been the best thing so um yeah we you know it's a great business. It's, it's, it's kind of, I've listened to a number of the podcasts. It's different to some of the other ones where you get, you know, a lot of big companies. We are uh, a small to medium sized business. Um, and it, for us, it's all about kind of um, profit and it's all about, um, you know, the company being, um, you know, being, you know, a really good business to work for, you know, incredible culture, incredible, incredible environment, but actually a very profitable business, which is key for us. That's key. I, I like the honesty in that. I mean, you do get, you get some people who ignore the fact that you're there to make a profit. Like they, you know, it's, there's, not, there's nothing to be ashamed of. In terms of the name Trilogy International, did were you genuinely thinking about a global business at the time to come, to put that? Because that's quite a punchy name if you if you've got no intention of it. Um, was it so at, at my old place? And maybe we'll get into it. We we covered a lot of different aspects. You know, Hydrum uh, was a company I worked for, and we took that. I joined. I think I was twenty first person to join and we grew it to 400 and we globalized it and uh we did some things right we did some things wrong but um we knew when we set up trilogy that actually we couldn't do everything straight away and um 
and for us we were like like let's focus on the uk let's focus on what we're good at so i think they're always you know we always knew we were going to do it we just didn't know when um and actually europe has you know focusing on europe has sped up because of ir35 changes in the marketplace and then the us we decided to launch in you know during the pandemic so that um that you know which has been, which has been amazing but i didn't think we would do that so quickly but we have it's crazy well let's go back let's go back to the start so I think that's your dog going crazy. I love I love the podcast. It's, it's got dogs yeah. involved this year. I mean, the amount of Amazon men and dogs that have interrupted in the last year is insane. Um, but tell us, how did you get into the industry? Because you said it was you were doing sort of transferable things before. Yeah, so um, so a bit of background to myself. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of people who get into recruitment now, they think, or depending on what company you're, for, uh, company you're at, you know, I think you've had to have a degree or something like that. I never went to university. It wasn't for me. I've got... I've got a twin brother. He was a lot more academic and wanted to go down that route. I just thought I wanted to make some money. You know, I was 18 years old. And back then, which is, I'm 41 now. So um, 23 years ago, I was like, oh, you know, I want to be a stockbroker. I don't know. I watched too many films. I was like, oh, they make money there. But I got into that industry and was doing really well. Um, and then suddenly I got an opportunity to be a football agent when I was 21 years old. And I'm wow. passionate about football, watch it, play it, etc. And I was like, you know what? I'm young. I can't, I can't turn this down. So... Maybe I'll, I'll save those stories for another time or for a beer. But, um, yeah, I've got some amazing stories. Had three what, mad weeks with, with Gaza, which was pretty interesting. What was Were you working with, like, high-profile footballers? Or just yeah, yeah. So the, the company was uh, it was a company called First Arsenal. They, they, were, they were a big company and looked after some, you know, high-profile players. My job was to try and bring on the younger talent talent because yeah. I was younger. Um, I remember talking to Rooney when he was 14 years old and before he'd made it. Um, unfortunately, we signed uh, one of his best mates, a kid called Scott Brown, and not him. But, um, uh, but you know, so, yeah, they, I mean, the company looked after, you know, a number of high-profile players. And you also do their commercial deals. So we looked after Gaza towards the end. So I had three weeks with him when we had to put him on the, uh, on, on, on the World Cup, uh, which was interesting. Wow. So it was... Is it as glamorous as you'd think, or is it is it just like a recruitment job with a different? Um, so that's the thing; you can like it the same. It sells, right? You've got to find the play. Well, you find the players, and the aim was you had to try and get them younger and younger, and then um, you had to sign them, and you had to kind of get on board their parents as well, and then you had to negotiate deals, you know, for the clubs and stuff like that. So there, there, there is a lot of similarities to recruitment. Actually, the one good thing I think that came out of it that when I went into recruitment, you know, a lot of people when you first join, especially I was young or. I didn't know what I was talking about when I got into recruitment was a lot of people get really nervous when they either pick up a phone or when they go on a meeting from the football industry. I, you know, I wasn't nervous at all because I was meeting some guys who were kind of my heroes as football players. Yeah. And they're, they're just the same as me and you. They're just normal blokes, you know, and yeah. it's the same, right? They're, everyone's just the same. And I try and teach that to the guys that, you know, that, that work for me now. It's just a client. It's just somebody else that you could have a chat with. And all, all they can do is say no. And yeah. people forget that, and they all get a bit, you know, get a bit stressed about things. So um, that that was great for me. Um, that uh, you know, I just went in there. I had no fear at all when I first got into recruitment. I love it. Uh, I love it. So, so, what made you go from football agent into recruiter? Yeah. So, um, like most people, I had a friend in recruitment that was doing really well. And for me, so because I um, again, I was I was always just money hungry, and you know, so to, to my friends, I had the best job. I had like a convertible car. I was going to football football matches, meeting football players, but the commission wasn't there because these boys were, you know, fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen, and they don't earn their money till they're probably eighteen, nineteen, and above, really. Um, and it was just going to be a long time, and um, I couldn't wait around. Basically, um, also the couple of guys that we worked for, they were they weren't the easiest of easiest of bosses, and I was like. 
do I need to keep doing this? Um, and I got an opportunity to go to another another company, but I was like, you know, what? I'm going to look at something new. And um, yeah, a friend of mine told me about recruitment, and, and and it kind of and it went from there really. So why was Hydrogen the company they worked for, or did you just? Go so ahead? they actually they did work for Hydrogen, and um, he sent he was like, I'll go meet the Rex Rec, and you know they'll, they'll explain to you about recruitment and send you out on some uh, some uh, some interviews. And uh, yeah, so they did, and I, they sent me on three interviews, and I got three offers, and I'm like, right, which yeah. one do I choose? I've got no idea. But I joined well, Hydrogen before then was called Project Partners, yeah, and. Yeah. Um, so they were smaller. They were very much when I met them. It was all about kind of trying to build some relationships. They they were about you know go and go and meet your candidates, go and meet your clients, put in some expenses, get, you know. And I like that. Whereas some of the other firms were like, you've just got to be behind your desk on a phone exactly. for ten hours. Literally, I just, that's exactly my experience. I went from Randstad to Mel in Melbourne to London in 2012, and I had um, I think it was GCS, Nigel Frank, and Venquist, and that was it. They wanted me chain there you know you recruiting internationally just behind a phone whereas claire was like we're going to be in the city of london meeting people you know the whole job is about face-to-face interaction and I was like, i'm taking that all day because yeah. that was what i did in australia so yeah. project partners was barnaby in there then barnaby was there yeah he was there um at the beginning he was yeah one of the founders um yeah. so yeah he's, he's he's a great character and then steve joined a bit later on um yeah. steve's brilliant steve's brilliant yeah. um so yeah you know they're, they're a good they're a good bunch they're a good bunch how did your career go? You were there for a number of a long time, and you grew yeah, it out so, four hundred out. We don't have to go into the detail of everything, but how did your career trajectory go over that period? Yeah, so I started. Um, so I started in April two thousand and three, not knowing anything, and it was totally different to like recruitment now, where you know you've got linked. I didn't have a database. There's no LinkedIn. You can't go and find anything. You literally have to call up some switchboards and try and find some names and, and numbers and, and find different techniques to get through to people. Um, back then, a lot of people were in the investment banking market and like doing well. And then I fell into the insurance market and kind of start. I did after like six weeks, I did four deals very quickly. And I was like, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to roll with this basically. Um, and it started to go from there. And I remember the first, for the next six weeks, I was like, Recruitment's a bit easy. Things will start to come to me, and it didn't. And my, to be fair, my boss didn't even give me a kick up the backside. I did it myself, and I was like, right, I need to go after things. And you know, back then they they trained me well. It was quite KPI driven. It's like an idiot's guide to recruitment. If you do X, Y, and Z, you're yeah. going to get the result. And I just did it. And um, for me, I thought this is the third industry I'm in. I'm not going to I'm not going to be changing again. You know, yeah. even though I had reasons to move along, I was like, I'm going to make this work. So I just got my head down and you know and and did the right things and. As I said, started to do very well. And after about a year, I was the top bidder at Project Partners. And after about it was about 18 months or two years, I was, I was I think I was one of the top bidders in the city. So I was at my height, I was bidding about 1.4 million a year, had yeah, about 120 120 contractors out. Small clients, big clients, you know, a variety of things. And you know, it was how great. Old you, how old were you then at that point? So I'm I joined when I was 23. I'm I'm kind of at 25. I'm I'm yeah, making yeah. a lot of money. And, you make um, a stupid amount of yeah. I mean, yeah. I I build seven hundred in my top year, and I earn a great amount of money. So yeah. you must have been earning ridiculous money. What was life like at that point? Uh, uh, you know, uh, it was it was great fun. You know, I was going the city then. I was going out a lot, and it, you know, it was great. I, I remember my boss was going to me. He was like, "Do you want to be a team leader?" You know, and I was like, "No, I'm all right. I'm being a selfish recruiter. I'll just look after myself." Yeah. And you know, just enjoyed going out, meeting clients, and. It was great, you know. It was yeah. brilliant, and those we had that period of time. 
you know, around everyone talks about 2006 7 if you're around i mean it was like a license to print money if, yeah. if you did things right it was a, you know it was a booming market then we obviously had the we had the uh, financial crash in 2008 and 9 so um things did change but after about five years i was like i'm not saying i mastered you know recruitment but i was like All right, i want to learn a different skill set and yeah. i was like well i'm you know i want to be a, a team leader and then you know and then did that and then at, at where we turned into hydrogen group at the time a manager there you become non-billing and that's the kind of biggest jump for anyone is like how do i kind of when you're we're all as recruiters we're all selfish and do it in our own way and then you know how you earn your money or how you you know you move your career is in the hands of other people which is which is quite tough um but i quite enjoyed that and quite as i said enjoyed managing different people and you know what motivates them and kind of what drives them and how to get the best out of them and then you know we continued to grow out different areas and different offices and my career grew so became associate director and then one of the regional managing directors on the exec board so i had an amazing 12 years there it was great um learned when, was the moment, when was the moment you knew you were going to do your own thing um there were some changes um at, towards the end of 2013 the ceo was making some changes that i didn't kind of agree with really we you know we were a business that um it was all about uh we were aimed listed business and we had um uh shareholders and people that would come in that actually weren't from recruitment and they would ask us questions and put us under pressure about things that actually that i'm like you don't even know our industry so mm. um but the ceo was you know he had some you know face off to them and they were putting them under pressure to make you know uh, cost savings and i had to implement them and i didn't agree with it so i was then going to see how the q1 started in 2014 and it was kind of going that way and then more changes were happening so i was like i said to ivan who's one of my business partners now I was like, should we go and do this together? You know, I'd had 12 years experience, he'd had 15. And he was like, yeah, you know, um, let's, let's go and do it. And then Jamie, uh, the other business partner, the, the other one of the three of us, um, he'd worked for me for 10 years. And I was like, look, these are my plans. Um, you know, you're obviously contracted to, to be there, but if it's right. And he was like, look, I'll go where you go when the time's right. Hmm. So, um, you know, kind of, it, it was started at the end of 2013 and then came to its head April 2013. 14 and then right. had to have six six months out um which was great as per my contracts so went to uh went to la for a bit got to uh, spend some time with the family and then actually in that period it kind of allows you to kind of really work out how did we want trilogy to be we had six months to really plan it which was actually great a lot of the time you're like all right am i, am I wasting my time with certain things you know what should we be doing but we really worked out of like what do we want to do because I'd run nine practice areas, business change, technology, life sciences. We've done power mining, oil and gas, et cetera. And you're like, what are we going to, what are you going to start? You know, we, yeah. we run it all. Yeah. They're all, some of them are all doing well, but you know, what you, what, what you going to focus on? But we thought we'd start with business change and transformation. I knew it inside out. Yeah. Um, and we thought we'd go, and we always knew we wanted to be more of a contract business. Uh, and it's a very contract led, as you know. Yeah, right? it is, yeah. So you, did, you, you, you say you started in 2014, late 2014, but your LinkedIn doesn't suggest that. What, what's what's that all about? Okay, so the story behind this is, so we, so we set up on November 14 and I went into an office, the three of us actually. So Jamie hadn't started yet. Um, so it was myself, Ivan, and, and a guy, Nick, who's still with us. Um, and we've gone in and, you know, you're all excited. We're putting, we, did, we didn't take any funding for it. We, wanted, we, were, we were setting this up ourselves. Uh, Jamie, Ivan, and I, were, were, you know, we're putting on our own money. Um, 
and we've all got kids and children at this point so we're like we've got to make this work i, I was never actually worried that we were going to fail um because you're driven slightly different when you have kids as well um yeah, yeah. and also we've been you know we were successful before um so we were like we're going to make success a success of this we were just like what do we focus on so busy trying to pick up contract business and on day 10 of 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 us going um i actually did two contract deals they were our first placements um actually they weren't even in business change i think they were management accountants and i think we made like a grand a grand a week margin on each it was great you know so our emotions were like this we were like that was at 10 a.m we got the office to own close candidates and then at 4 p.m uh we got served by um uh, a letter a legal letter from hydrogen saying ivan and myself couldn't work together so our emotions have gone like this to this what was it in your contract? Um, you couldn't you couldn't work with another member of staff or something? Uh, do you know what? It, I still don't even know if they can you know if they can uphold that sort of type of thing. But what it does um, when you work at a big company, it does two things: for them to send a legal letter that costs five hundred quid or a grand, it's nothing. For you to respond mm. when you're putting money into your business, it's five hundred quid or a grand. Plus, mm. it's taking your time out of your day when you should be setting, you know excited about your business. You're worrying about you know and you're meeting lawyers and trying to go, what have I done wrong? And and yeah. trying to um, fight that off so it's a distraction um and i think that's all they want to do plus because we were senior people in the business i think they just wanted to show to the rest of the members of staff that um you know if you go and leave and set up your own thing um we'll, we'll come after you so had that to deal with um and the advice from our lawyer was you know we should maybe work together for six months so uh, we were like then this just wasn't the plan now we were going to set up a part of the business called trilogy testing um and essentially we were like right um so i came up with the name trilogy and i came up with the name force testing even though the other guys seem to think they did they didn't come up with that name and um <laughs> and i was like look we weren't ever going to call it false recruitment because we didn't want recruitment in the name so we were like well we'll call it false testing and i was basically gonna you know be the face of that and, and head that up and ivan was going to focus on trilogy and we did that and um so we set up two businesses side by side and um you know and actually the Forbes testing was a consulting business and hydrogen had never done that so it wasn't competing in that space right so how would how was that period of time apart what, what were you sat next to each other just with different company emails basically uh company emails and um, so at first so we got an office and we you know we've 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 um taken some service officing um and and then our lawyer was like, you guys shouldn't even be in the same building. So we were like working from home for a bit. It was it was a nightmare. It's not how you really want to be starting your business. Um, so, um, yeah, so sometimes we'd meet and we'd meet in a, like in a hotel um, in, in, in Holborn. But, um, yeah, we we, um, we weren't in the same office for a few months. So it was, it was wow. you know, it was tough. It was how, tough. How, did, how long was it until it, you started to grow the team? How long were you just the, you, you guys banging in deals and, and just building stuff? Yeah, so that was. Um, I mean, we stayed that. We when did we take on our, our fifth member of staff really? Because there was the three of us. We hired one straight away. It was probably it was probably after kind of three months or so. Um, we started um, taking on a few, you know a few more people, but we were small for for a long time. I think there was only you know seven of us for I think for the first year. Um, yeah. So um, you know we were just a bit like we just want to do a lot of deals um and um you know those those first when there were seven people in an office it's great fun you know it you know we had walls that we could write all over we did we didn't have much process in the system it actually came back to um you know a year later on when we weren't using our system very well we're like well why don't we log things on the system because it would help us but we just didn't do all we cared about was picking up the phone and you know trying to get to do sales and build relationships um we didn't want to be distracted by admin at the time 
No, no, I get it. I get it. I think there's, you're not the only one who's, who's been through that. I'm interrupting this episode of the RAG podcast to bring you a message from our sponsor, Audro. You know by now that Audro are the number one video interview platform for recruiters around the world. Now, they keep bringing out new features from Audro Capture to Audro Producer, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. But now, recently, they've just announced a new feature to the platform, which is a complete game changer. During COVID-19, they realized that the recruitment audience, the communication was changing. Globally, their clients and candidates were, were using Microsoft Teams and Zoom more than anything else. The phrase, let's jump on a Zoom call or jump on a Teams call has actually replaced the, the words video interview for a lot of their conversations over the last six months. Now, they were thinking, do we, I mean, how are we going to eradicate this? How are we going to make Audro the name that everyone talks about for, for the interview process? And they realized they didn't need to. They needed to integrate. So for the first time ever, they, they're the first video interview platform on the planet that have decided and managed to integrate with Zoom and soon to be integrated with Microsoft Teams. So with one click, after recording a Zoom video, you can now drag that into Audro and create everything else that Audro has, from adding the CV, the heat maps, the capture, and the producer elements. You get all the benefits of Audro before and after the interview, but you get to use Zoom, which is client-friendly on all levels. So this is massive. Teams is coming. It's the first time anyone's ever done it in our sector, and it is literally going to change the way you work in 2021. Get in touch with my friends over at Audro at audro.co.uk. Or if you're already a user, reach out to your account manager to make sure you've got this feature. Back to the show. How did you feel going from being a, you know, practice leader in a global business to being a, you know, back on the tools and sat in your own, in your, not in your underpants, you're actually in an office. But what, yeah. what was that like? What was it like going from? Because a lot of people, I think, fear that. They fear going yeah. from a comfortable leadership role to, a, you know, a salesperson again. I think the good thing at, at my old place, I was always I was very hands on in the client space. So I always went out there on the big pitches. I was, you know, most of the big accounts I was involved with. So I did that side quite a bit, the pitching. I just I hadn't found a candidate in God knows in five years maybe or more. Um, so that's a bit surreal. And so everyone, I remember people calling me like, "How are you finding this? You know, is it a problem?" I was like, "Actually, it wasn't that bad." And when you're focused on doing it for yourself or for your business, and you've got like a a common goal of going right we're just going to grow this um and i've got to do this type of thing you just don't care really i you know i, I really didn't have an issue with it i didn't you know some people were like oh you're back on the tools you know look at where you were look where you are now it didn't bother me at all um you know i, I loved it i loved it i have to say it was good fair so then what was you, the end of the year, end of the first year seven people. when did when we was that when you were all allowed to be officially back as trilogy and so so, so it was uh, after six months we could um we could because we'd had six months out so it was a year so then we had another six months so that was probably april 2015 right. we could all be together in an office and we can really push forward and jump you know and bounce off each other so to know what we the forbes business we'd um was, was a really good business that you know it was a, a you know a, so, a software testing consultancy and we found a little niche um and that i was focusing on that and actually it was bringing business over to trilogy as well so it, it worked pr pretty well that, that 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 was a hard business to get going though because it's not i i only re i knew recruitment and then you're mm. kind of setting up a consulting business as well so it was pretty tough kind of going right how do i get my head into that and not just have a recruitment hat on um but it was good it was good really when you came back in as trilogy how did you structure things then what was the because you you're finally allowed to do what you want you've got these two companies now what did you do next 
so um so 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 with Forbes, we, we were hiring people were on our payroll and actually um then selling them out like like any old consultancy yeah. as if we we're essentially yeah. just yeah. on a really small scale so let's just say someone's on 30 grand and we're selling them out for 300 quid a day um and then suddenly all of our clients were loving the people that that we were uh, that they were putting on site and they were going right we want to take this person we'll give them 60 grand and we're like oh, you know we can't stop someone doubling their salary and we also don't want to don't want to piss off our clients um <laughs> so we're like we still want to work with them so we were changing our terms that if they were to hire someone they'd um they'd have to pay us 100 percent of their fee they paid us one client paid us 45 grand for a tester i mean it was crazy um but uh we had some really good people so that became difficult because it was hot we were just every time we hired someone we were losing them to the to the clients after a while so we were like right we're just going to really focus on, on on the contract on the on the trilogy side and then have forbes as kind of on you know it, it's just it allows you to have a different kind of conversation with your client um yeah so really we were all focusing focusing on trilogy and you know and, and pitching contract work um into, into the uk Okay, so and you talked about that. So you you had a very UK business for a number of years. Yeah. What, what was the change then? And what was the turning point? So so we I mean so we um, grew our business really quickly. Um, so we we got up to two hundred and fifty contractors, just over about wow. two hundred and fifty five contractors in about was it three three and a half years? Which That's was which right. really really good going. Yeah. So I mean, look, our focus as well was different. We didn't want to be. And it's still the same now. We don't want to work on portal work. We don't want to work with you know your massive, massive clients necessarily. I mean, no. we do, but we want to. When we started, we wanted to be able to work with clients that we could build a relationship with, someone that we can say, right, what's your recruitment journey? Let us go on it with you and let us really understand you. And you know, there was a lot of challenger banks and you know and you know and fintechs coming through at that point. So that helped us to grow at that point. Then, as a lot of the UK contract recruitment companies, um, IR35, IR35 got announced, and we were like, you know, a lot of people were like, this is never going to happen. This is never going to happen. And our view was, this could very much happen. It's happened in the public sector. Why would this not happen? So, you know, we're pretty good to react. And instead of kind of being in denial, we were like, right, we, we know we want to continue to grow contracts. We don't have these problems in Europe. So let's go and um, let's focus on the Europe market, European market. So, Try hire, you know, a leader to really focus on that. We hired one person, got it wrong, uh, wasn't who we thought it would be, and then and then we got someone else that done it. Um, uh, you know, a few other companies, and it's been great. And we've been we've been focusing really more on the tech market into Europe, and it's and, it, and it's been great. So, whilst we knew the UK might go down on the contract side, the European business was going to grow, and it was. Um, and then suddenly What's we were major, what are the major differences with i35 now then I'm, i was in, still in the Venquist when it came and hit the public sector and then i left just before it was announced for the private sector but what is the major difference with contract recruitment nowadays like what is it just the fact you just got to have a different structure to your contracts or is it is it is it dramatically different it, it, is, it is dramatically different um now you can't um so yes we have to have different to, um, you know our contracts are different but it's more about the candidate the onus is on the candidate but then it gets it does get flowed down to us so a candidate cannot you know if they had other directors in their businesses and they looked like they were a you know they were a one-man band that looked like they were they had a company you can't do that anymore um yeah. you know so you, you for them um you are you're basically an employee it's just you're 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 being put onto a contract slightly differently so um yeah it's it, it, you know it's, it's, it's changed the market completely because um, their take home, their take home is now based on PAYE. 
rather yeah. than that's it. So someone someone that was earning five hundred pound a day and might have been paying whatever tax they're paying, um, they are now that five hundred pound a day they're take, paying forty percent tax. Wow. Uh, and there's no way around it. So is the market is the is the so insurance and banking contract market still buoyant though? People still are the same people still dealing with it, just up in their day rates and things. So I think honestly, uh, weirdly, a good thing for that mark, even though there's obviously COVID has been horrific for a lot of reasons, and there, there has been some. I think there's been a few positives for us as a business from it. Um, but I think because some people just want to be in a job, some contractors they are happy to take a cent- effectively a forty percent cut. So, um, you know, you'd rather be in a job earning something rather than nothing right yeah. now. So um, I think that's that's uh, allowed um, for people to just kind of say, so it is still a busy market, um, but there are different solutions. So we've got Forbes testing There's now, um, we, we, we've got another business, Forbes Project Solutions, which does the same, but it's more of a consulting business or a statement of work offering. So, they, so you've just got to, you know, you've got to provide different solutions for your clients, basically. Yeah, yeah. So when you came back in to Trilogy and you started growing that contract team, yeah. talk about that. Uh, tell us about it. There's a lot of people listening, I reckon, especially from perm recruitment businesses that don't – I can visualize what you did, but tell us how did you do that? How do you get to 250 contractors in three years? Yeah. Like, what, are, what are the components? And so not just you, people, but your team. Yeah, so, so I think a lot of people, um, when they go and set up a, a recruitment business – if they haven't done contract before, they don't know it. They'll always yeah. open, start have a perm business because you think, you know, I want to go. And, I, I want recruitment hasn't changed in twenty years in the fact of you know it's quite vanilla. Find a job, find the right candidate, put them together. That's never changed. Obviously, cultures, environments, the way you operate is different. But when you go, if you're starting a new business, you're like, right, I want a job. I need a job, and you'll typically pick up a permanent job because um, because that's what you know people want a lot of people the hard thing is to find the right candidates so for us we were you know we were picking up perm jobs and we're like no 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 you know we've got to keep looking for the contract ones or we were just trying to find solutions to try and say take a contractor for three or six months and then see if you know if you can then transfer them into perm because we were dealing with kind of small to medium-sized businesses that were also trying to grow as well so i think that the first and foremost is stay true to what you're going to do um if you're going to go and do contracts you've got to say no to the permanent jobs you have to do it and that was a hydrogen thing wasn't it like to split that up because we at Benquist, we were always contract or perm there was no yeah. jewel in that no and no jewel i came from there and I, and I you know we used to laugh i used to sit opposite do you remember john sharp did you ever work with john sharp? yeah yeah, 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 yeah so sharp, sharpie and anthony webster were on the perm side and i was contract and we used to laugh that they walk slow they talk slow they move slow and we were just like the pace uh, but the, know, it's 100 miles per hour. But the detail they had to go through was different. And, you know, I always used to say that if we can combine the pace of contract for the PERM team, they'll be better. And if you can give increase the detail in the contract team, like the PERM team, we'll be better. So we tried to learn a lot from each other. Yeah. Um, but I do believe you're right that if you focus on just getting really good at one thing, like you don't need to be great at both. Um, right. And and so what was the linear line like for the over that three-year period was it literally like month-on-month growth or did you win huge projects or how did that look so yeah i mean again you know i think you know the difference again on really good recruiters or people that are very good it's like how do you anyone i feel like can uh, go open a door or get pick up a job or do a deal it's then how do you go and then turn that deal into you know into a client how do you go and develop some business and you know the s3 model was get in do a deal get out 
um, you know, that's what it was for years. And then they've actually tried to change. I think it's their Huxley brand and, you know, is more about account management and, uh, you know, and, and yeah. development. So they maybe should have done that years ago. But we're, we were very good. And again, we, you know, we were schooled in that way was, you know, how once you're into a client, instead of going right running off to the next one, how can you go and develop that client and turn it into, you know, from a two or three or four contract to run a business into a 10, 20 if, the, if they can. So we were just very good at building really good relationships um, at different levels. And then, you know, and then there's competition. Um, weirdly, I'm, I'm driven, I'm, I'm a bit weird like this. So I'm driven more by loss than I am by winning. So, you know, so, uh, so winning for me is just like, that's just my job. Yeah. losing it eats me up so you know knowing if we would have you know lost out on a job to you know to sean at, you know vanquish at the time that that would that would bother me and we just wouldn't allow that to happen again mm. um so you know we got everyone in i think that for me was also with when i was dealing with the client like i felt like i was not performing for them as well you know it was like i had to fill that job because it was what i said i would do it was like a fear rather than a excitement i mean i remember my when I first started working with Claire, I remember I had a shocking five months. Like I worked my balls off, but it just didn't happen. Like I did, I did yeah. one deal from September to Christmas, and then I did one in January. Um, then as well, I went on. I went to New York in the first week of December. I'd done one deal, and the fucking one time I go away for two days, a contract job got called in, and my, <laughs> yeah. perm, and my perm colleague filled it, and I was like, "Fuck, that was what I was there for." Um, anyway. And I remember sitting there and I, I kind of, I was starting to believe it wasn't going to happen. And then in the following six, seven months, I, I just smashed it. I was doing like, you know, I went from one to 22 contractors in about eight months. And then I used to sit on the tube on the way to meetings from, uh, from what was it? Where was it? What's the one behind um, North, behind Trafalgar Square? What's this tube station? Temple? Is it Temple? Yeah, it's Temple. Yeah, uh, yeah Temple. Yeah, yeah. You can walk to Temple, jump on and get off at uh, Monument. And I always used to do like, little calculations of like what I'd earn if I got to this what many runners and that many runners yeah. and that many runners. And don't get me wrong, that excited me, but it didn't make me perform. What what made me perform was fear. So yeah. I completely, and even now, like I have a business where I, I just think it could all fall apart anytime. Like I don't have any, I think recruitment well, gives you that feeling that. Well, we, we've, re, I mean, we've had, um, obviously pan, pandemic happened and we'll obviously talk about that period but you know october last year when you know we were coming out of it we had our third best ever month and 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 then um march was our best ever month we've had um and came you know april the first or we won't say because it's back uh, april fools but april second whatever it was i'm like worried about the month because i i'm just never content and i'm like where some people are like what let's just celebrate and we do celebrate our successes of course you do everyone does in recruitment but then as soon as we've done that i'm like right what we're doing this month how are we going to better it yeah we we go again um and that's the difference between really successful individuals or or companies of they're never content really they always want to drive on and you know be better and do better do you reckon we were bred was someone breeding that into us or did we have that before we got the job like where is Uh, that that is just inner ambition. I, I don't think, you know, there are some people that are just wired that way. I, I, you know, when I was at Hydra, I used to see some people and I was like, you know, you, you've got so much ability and talent, but you're just so lazy. And, you know, mm. some people were just really happy earning 50 grand, earning their beer money. And it's great. But then there are others who were like, well, if I can earn 100 or 150, 200, whatever it may be, they push themselves. And other mm. people just, they don't want that stress in their life. Yeah. No, I completely see that. And it's crazy someone said to me well my mentor he scaled a marketing agency to two and a half thousand people and he, started, he was the second hire and he's like 
it never changes. It's like it, 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 your complexity just gets bigger. The problems get bigger and grander, but you, yeah. the, the feeling of like shit, I need to sort that. I don't know. When I do that, I'll be it'll be better. Like that kind of feeling yeah. that you're always. He said it never changes in 15 years of what they did, which is insane. It you're always going to be on that like treadmill, and that I guess we're a bit addicted to it as well. Right? Well, of course, yeah, 100. percent But it's like, what's it, what is the addiction? Is it is it which I can't work out? Is it you know yeah. as I said, but um, you know it's great, but it's what drives people forward. And it definitely drives me. I love it. So, what was your role like at Trilogy over this period? Then let's let's we'll go to COVID in a minute. But yeah, growing the growing the business up to IR thirty five up to COVID. Were yeah. you were you like a hands on billing leader? Was that the kind yeah. of role you took? Yeah, I think um, I was very hands on for probably about four and a half five years um, because you know I think when we were really getting going, it, you know, people want to see it and want to learn from it and feed, they feed off it as well. Um, so we were, I was hands on, you know, be it on the, you know, on the phone, you know, pitching on the sales. The guy still asked me now, um, I won't go through all my tricks and stuff like that, but you know, if, if people want to hear certain leads and you know, they've got certain bits of information and they're struggling to get, you know, the last bit of who's that hiring manager, yeah. they'll forward yeah. it on to me and they're like, Dan, can you get this? I'm like, sure, no problem. And I'll get it every time. And, um, you know, people learn from that. And then they're like, right, they go and do it. So very hands on, um, as in doing the full 360 job. Um, yeah, for the for the first five years, um, as well as as managing, uh, managing different people, you know, the three of us have all got kind of got different skills and different things. And, you know, we've, we, we all focused on sales. So that was, you know, I'd say, um yeah we're, we're all doing that element but then we've all got other parts of our job that we're doing as well so when did that start to shape, shape for you that there was less hands-on and it started what was the kind of triggers in the business that meant you thought you felt you might need to shift it a bit um i think i think you know a we i've been doing it for a long time and, you, know, like, you know do i always want to do this and then it was um you know we we, we really started to grow our leadership team and then really for our leadership team to, you know, to, to elevate and to get better, we have to get out of the way. And if we're yeah. always yeah. the people that are dealing with things, they'll, they'll, they'll never, you know, they'll never get to the levels where they, where they could be. And so, you know, I learned that again from my days at hydrogen was, um, you know, if, if, if you can let people step up, you've, you've got to get out of the way. So, um, look, we, I still get, I still go to client pitches. I still love that part of the job as well. But, um, you know the hands-on stuff i don't and then we leave it to the you know to our management team to kind of drive a lot of those things as well how many people are in that yeah. so there's um there's eight so we've got eight managers you know we've got one director and then seven other managers so it's so on our leadership team there's there's 11 of us and it, you know and it's an amazingly tight group um and you know and that that's what flows down into the rest of the business as well um so what was it like? Tell us, well, the sound's going to be crazy, but tell us what it was like going into COVID for you. Like, paint. What was February 2020 like, and then how did it all unfold? Oh, well, actually, so January 2020 was our was was back then was like our our thing first or second best month. Literally, our business, you know, was it was an amazing uh, amazing trajectory. It was it was it was in a really good place. January was amazing. We'd done our forecasting for Feb, and it looked like we were going to have you know a similar sort of month. And then literally just fell off a cliff, um, and which is hard, hard because you know we'd never seen that before. Even when I saw the recession in, in two thousand and eight nine, it really only affected financial services industry. Mm -hmm. Didn't really affect a load of other businesses, um, but this affected everyone. So literally, our pipeline of jobs 
and people that are interviews have just got canned. Where we were lucky, um, we well, we had the IR35, um, which was which was supposed to be uh, kicking in April, but they delayed it. They oh, delayed yeah. it quite late on. So we actually lost about 20 odd contractors because they looked for other jobs, um, which we would have had more. And if they if they would have delayed it a bit earlier, they would have stayed on. But um, we still had 200 plus contractors and they not um, none in the UK got let go, which was great. Um, and we decided we were we didn't furlough anyone. Um, yeah. It was it was a business decision. We were actually small eye. We one of our guys was stuck in New Zealand. Um, so whilst he was there, we, we we furloughed him for a few weeks until he got back. But um, but um, we didn't furlough anyone. It was a decision of if we can. And we said this to everyone. And then we suddenly, um, we, you know, I think what was it, March the fourteenth or whatever, everyone had to leave. Um, you know, the, the office or you know, yeah. everyone went home. And um, we said to everyone that it's not about results it's about effort all we care about is what's the effort that you're doing at home so don't worry about the result you're going to get because you might not get any results but build relationships build relationships with your clients with your candidates actually you'll be get, you'll be able to get hold of people more now than you could sometimes if everyone was in the office because they're all yeah, at home. Yeah. so and that again it, it it was a brave call because a lot of people were like you know what you know how do we um you know you know we need to kind of watch our pennies but for us we were a bit like if, if, if we treat our staff well, they'll repay us. And um, it, was, okay, it was the best decision we made. It was a tough decision, right? Because um, April, May, and June were, were tough months. We still did some deals, but not many. Not you many had the perfection of the contract business, at least, didn't you? You knew you had revenue. And that was it. Yeah, and that, imagine being a perm business only at that point. It would have been a, oh. would have been a scary so, moment. So, yeah, and you know, and that's it. And then actually, so we, again, all we did was just work on different things of going, right, how do we pipeline business going forward? When's it going to happen? And working with the guys on that rather than, um, you know, current business or current wins. And it was great. And as I said, we, you know, we started to come out of it in, in August, September, and things started to pick up. And as I said, October, we had like our fourth best ever month. So, how did you cope? How did you cope? Because you, again, we never worked together, but I, sh I can kind of visualize your 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 experience. And I imagine it was very office based. It yeah. was very early and late starts and finishes. It was intense. It was you know nonstop going out, socializing, and then you've got a young family at the time. Like how how did you cope personally with the remote nature of last year? I so I I mean I um to my wife and my friends they all think I'm, I, I i'm pretty relaxed at most things i don't really get so worked up on things um i get passionate about things but i don't you know things don't really phase me so i was just I, I was speaking to a lot of people that are in you know other recruitment companies in similar positions to see how they were coping and as long as you kind of because it was so hard because you start to second guess your decisions you're like is that the right thing to do should we have let you know furlough people should we have let people go should we be doing more on other things should we be doing more training or whatever it may be um but we had to just kind of trust our judgment on on a few things um so um yeah we just had to hold on hold our nerve and actually ivan jamie um you know my business partners it was great you know i'd, I'd probably be a bit more worried if i was doing it on my own i don't yeah. uh, you know it would have been a bit more difficult but you kind of you come sound trying to get around the team yourself and keep them motivated and training and so but did you did you find that okay remotely or were you itching to get back to the office what was your kind of attitude i remember the first few days i was like you know what i'm going to call everyone in the business um 
for the every week and actually it's quite a difficult thing to do you've got you know <laughs> 30 or people and you know everyone wants to have a chat um so i think i did it for a few a few times but then but then not and then then we just had to we we started to do um with our leadership team calls every day at 5 15 where they because again you know this was all new to us i'd always like you said i'd been trained and schooled in a five days a week long hours in the office um and i was never sure about people that did kind of remote working and stuff like that um best thing that came out of covid was that really because actually we learned to trust people and actually the you know the productivity of our business went up um by by about 60 percent in in certain areas so um which which was great so um we did a we did a call at 5 15 they had their teams had one thing in the morning and then um at lunchtime and then we'd have one at 5 15 and even though we're back to the office a few days we still do the 5 15 call every day with our leaders because it's brought us together as a leadership team closer than we ever have first five ten minutes we're all taking the mickey out taking taking the mickey out of each other and having a bit of banter and then it's about Right, what what the guys focusing on, and it's great, and it and yeah, it's really pulled us together. So that's one thing again that's that's been really good. I love that. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a RAG listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a RAG listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash RAG, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening, you're a recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. How are you managing the whole back to office stuff? Is it, have you mandated what people do? What's the strategy for, for you guys? So um, we are two days a week um, back in the office. That started two weeks ago um, from when the guidelines of us being yeah, yeah. able to effectively be in a pub is we could be in the office. So, um, so we've done it two days a week. People could go in more if they want. Our team that work on the US market, um, they only do it one day a week because they just work different hours, but it's just good for people to get together. So, but then we've got some people that we've hired uh, that are a bit more regional and they don't need to come in unless they want to. So, um, you know, we've just become a bit more flexible. We've got more of a, you know, an autonomous working in, um, environment and it's been great and people have thrived on it. Um, actually some people, you know, what it's like. some, some people don't always like doing BD in front of their colleague no. or they get a bit nervous. 
And actually, some people are absolutely killing it because they're doing it at home and no one's listening to them. Hmm. There's the two things, isn't there? There's the there's the training and the culture that I think most recruitment companies worry about. They're the two major things. How do we train rookies and how do we how do we maintain that sales floor camaraderie? You know, how do we make sure that when someone's got a shit day, we pick them up and we get them going? Like how how are you keep those two things? How are you how are you focusing that? Yeah, so so on the training point, so we we again we, we kind of looked at all these types of things. That's one good thing again that happened when we were, weren't busy in those first few months. Like operationally, we were like, what do we need to get better at? What do we want to be doing with our kind of our back office function? What do we want to be doing with our training and development? What do we want to be doing with our systems? We looked at all these different things and put these projects in place, which we would never have done if we were in the office because you're just too busy when you're just in the moment. Um, so we we ran. Um, we do internal training. We actually have um, we have an e-learning tool where people can do bite-sized training um, at, uh, for 20 minutes, the interactive courses. Um, we had an external trainer that used to run some things. But we also, and I think the most powerful thing was every Friday, we had some like drop-in sessions where we do a subject matter and then a different leader or one of us would run a session and anyone could just drop in and you know learn some stuff. Um, and it was great. It was great. Um, on the culture piece, again, that is something that I worried about the most because – as most companies, um, you would think, you know, the culture is, is, is the key thing about Trilogy. And we were like, how do we keep that? How do we know everyone's all right and still bought into it? Um, so, look, we, did, we still do Friday. Well, we did Friday sales meetings that we did every, you know, every week and stuff like that. So um, continue to do that. But we used to do some quizzes and then we do drinks and stuff like that. Um, but it was tough. It was tough. But I think people appreciated the fact that they weren't furloughed. Was the yeah. massive thing that we, you know, that were just working with us. And, it was an um, easy. I think it was an easy option for some companies to furlough, not for everyone. Um, and I think some people probably enjoyed the fact they were furloughed because they got some yeah. real time off. But I don't know. I I didn't take a day. I mean, I took a couple of days off in the July. I think I, I worked my. I mean, I it went. It was mental last year, and I think my my whole business was the same. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad we worked through it because I think it kept the momentum. We had a level of momentum that I don't think yeah. you'd had if you've had three or four months off. And the recruitment companies, I think, that are absolute. I mean, everyone seems to be busy right now. I'm not. Yeah. It's not like the, I'm not supposed to a single client in about three months that isn't starting to really get excited. But those that worked hard last year and stayed on the tools, I think they're capitalising even more yeah. now because they're not. They, like you said, all, every time you phoned a candidate or a client last year. You just dropped a little bit of money in that trust bank, like you just you thought about them, you know. And then that trust bank grows. And this year, like when when all the roles come back, like who's going to get it? Well, I can't say how many times when we have our our catch ups at five fifteen that one of the managers turns around and says, "Oh, one of the clients that we worked with a year ago, they called in for a job, and they only called in because we were in touch with them." Yeah. You know, it's like the BD was a lot of the BD was done with some of our old clients. Mm. Um, so it's great, you know. It, I mean, look, everyone's saying it. The market is turning, which is which is brilliant. You know, not all of them, not all clients, but a lot of them are. So, in terms of the diverse, like, international nature of your business, you mentioned US, you mentioned Europe, UK. Yeah. Like, how are you managing? Like, what? How have you structured the teams? And you said some people work at different times. What? How does that look? So, um, so the UK guys, you know, they're they're carrying on as they always were. So it's kind of. You know their their time zones aren't the same. You know, I think they're they're yeah. eight till six, eight thirty till six or something. But so Europe guys, um, again, for a lot of people, so um, people 
and we did it at hydrogen we lost kind of the entrepreneurial edge at hydrogen of like what's important and i said to you it's about profit for us how do we have a really profitable well you know well-built business and that's key and you know we were some people just want to own open offices all over the place like oh we've got five global offices or we've got 100 staff we, you know we could have all those things but it's not about that um mm. in europe we can operate from here in the uk you know um we don't have any issues it hasn't caused us any issues yeah. um yeah nice we have some some language speakers but you know everyone speaks english so it's not a problem um we, we won't have an office there the us is slightly different we actually set up our us team um in june of of the pandemic um wow. and and it, and and it was the best thing we did we always knew we were going to do it and we were like let's just do it now um so we flipped our um, our uk perm team to focus on the us doing all the right things that we always do and um as always it kind of takes about three months and i kind of so it was a team of four and um and then just deals started to happen um and, and we were focusing on the on, on on the east coast because the time difference is five hours um and then we hired a, a couple of people so we hired i think in half two of 2020 we hired 11 people where a lot of people are getting rid of people and stuff like that yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're hiring so we hired two guys to focus on on the west coast which is a bit trickier their hours so um you know a lot of people that they do basically half 11 till half eight but they, i mean they're on the phone and that's not every day and then some days till half nine and then the guys on the west coast are on the phone at 11 o'clock or midnight sometimes um but they want to do it so our, our aim is to be in new york and, and la um well as soon as we can really um ivan my business partner he's moving out there so to wow. show how much how serious we're taking it so he's going through the visa process and we'll hope to be there at the end of the year that's exciting that's super exciting and um yeah. you do hear a lot of people talk about the us as being you know the holy grail of go go there and you you know one one biller of two 200 grand in the uk is going to do half a million dollars easy because yeah. Is it, it? Have you seen that? That the is it just the increase in size of fee, or is it a is it? An it's, easy it's, it's 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 a, it's a bit of both. You know, when you mentioned to me about could we? You know, when you were talking about you know contract billers and then you know about their pace, and then you kind of got the perm, the detail, and how that works. The U.S. market is like that, and it was like it was when the U.K. was was busy. So, it's more of a perm market, and the reason is um, everyone's on two weeks' notice. It's crazy. Mm. So you know, and so. For the effort you were doing to do a let's just say a, a 15k fee in the uk and they might be on a month's notice or if you're pushing for a 25k fee and it's three months notice in the us it's a thirty-five thousand dollar fee up to eighty thousand dollars and on two weeks notice and the pace is just insane um so like, again you've got to get it right uh, the, we are we aren't going for the you know the big you know the, the big big companies we're going ones where again we can have a relationship with them yeah, yeah uh, some yeah. a fintech in the uk watches their penny in a fintech in the us they're getting like 100 million for recruitment it's crazy yeah. wow it's mental um wow. so um yeah and look but ultimately it then comes down to the people that we can hire and we can train and develop um to, you know to uh, to do the right things but um so yeah, what's, we're, the we're, what's the vision then dan so you've mentioned la new york london what where where is where is trilogy heading what's your kind of long-term plan yeah so we always do kind of three-year visions within the business we always have um, so we kind of our last vision was till 2023 and back then and considering we had COVID in between our numbers haven't changed we were doing um, 5 million in gross profit um, so we said you know our, our vision is to, well, let's do 10 million in gross profit by 2023 mm -hmm. let's have 400 contractors out um, let's have four offices and at the time we didn't even know about the, the US because we've got an office in Ireland as well and that's how we run our, our European business out there um, right. and then um, 
and we said we want to kind of be split 75% contract, 25% perm, and then have, you know, a leadership team that can take us to the next level after that. So that's kind of where we want to get to. And I, you know, I totally believe we, we're going to get there. Um, how many, so how many people will be in the company at that point, do you think, end of 2023? Well, uh, it's a hard one. I think at the time, well, I think we branded the number about um, 70 to 80 people. But I don't believe we need to double our, to double our revenue. I don't think we need to double our headcount. I don't, mm. I don't think we need to do that. If, you know, we can just, as you said, train our guys better, develop them better. And they can become better billers. Um, so, but you know, you always need to you know keep the push, pushing the business forward. Um, so, so as we go to the US, we will hire more people. Just, I, I can feel the energy, the momentum off you. Like it's got, you've got some real. It, I mean, I've got no doubt you're going to do it. Um, what's the vision for you personally? Do you see yourself selling the business one day, or sitting there as like a chairman? I, you get, I get the vibe off you. You. You'd, you'd be too itchy to get out of the game yeah i mean everyone asks, asks us that, that when we you know like what's you know do you want to do this to set i mean if someone's going to give us a silly amount of money i'm not going to ever say no um but yeah. i don't i ne we never set it up to do that i think the plan was can we have a you know really uh, well-run business well actually do you know what if i could work three or four days a week spend some a bit more time um with the family um then great and actually we know that the business is being run in the in the right way I, as you said i you know i love it i love what we do um i get a buzz for it you know we've got new challenges um in you know in different locations and we've got to go and you know and eat away at the market share i think people we've got a good reputation and got a good brand but we can do a lot more so um you know i just want to be part of the journey with it i love it love it what so if you had to look back and you were going to educate or support a, a new founder, right? There's someone who's sat here today, starting on June 1st was yesterday. So let's say July the 1st, they're starting their new agency. Um, what's your three pieces of advice you would give them? That they, you know, starting in today's market, but learning from the things you've taken from your days at Trilogy. Yeah. So have a clear plan. Really have a plan. Um, and no one sticks to their plan, right? Because, but have a plan because you need to know what, you know, what, what you know, where your destination is what you're trying to achieve um so you know we we had a you know we had a budget plan we had kind of some clear goals at the time and i think you've got to do that and they will change but um no, i don't know anyone that's ever hit their budget um you either exceed it or underachieve it um mm. but you but you need to know what you're shooting for um yeah. so have that surround yourself by good people really do um you know um think be prepared to be vulnerable at times and kind of say i don't know you know uh, that you know i always always did that you know, people sometimes look up to you and expect you to have the answer the whole time and um actually it goes a lot the other way when you're like i don't know but we'll work it out together and mm. you know we'll come up with some solutions so have a clear plan with your you know your vision and your strategy surround yourself by good people and then you know throw everything into it um you know nobody you know when you've been successful whoever they may be you don't get there by luck i think i believe you make your own luck and it comes from hard work what what do you think is the reason people get it wrong then like because there's a lot of businesses that i say get it wrong but why why do you think people, there's a lot of people who say they want to scale it they want to grow something yeah. and they don't they don't get beyond 10. they get you know 81 81 of the uk recruitment agency owners or agencies are sub 10 staff sub 1 million turnover so what what do you think the reason for that is I think you've got to, uh, and again, you might not, again, you might need to either ask for some help to some advice because some people just yeah. think I know, I know how to do this and actually their business hasn't evolved in however many years. Mm. And then um, you need someone that, to look into it from, you know, it's just got a different opinion. Um, I think that's what's really good about the three of us. You know, 
we've all got different opinions. We kind of tend to work, we tend to agree at the end, but uh, you know, we might have worked on each other to give a different opinion along the way. But um, yeah, we work, we know what are the right levers to kind of, you've got to pull to kind of a successful business. You, you know, again, you've got to grow, but the company's got to be worth something. You can only grow if it's profitable and you've got to kind of push the button at the right time when to hire. Are you in the right market? Um, so like you said, you've got a mentor, you know, you need to sense check what you're doing and take some advice along the way. Um, yeah. Some people yeah. are too stubborn to ask for help. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think I think my vision on it is some people they can they just take they want too much control, so they're not prepared yeah. to give anything away. You know, they want to be the superstar biller, and and they wonder why they're not growing when that you know they've just got a lot of resources and they're not really allowing anyone to, to yeah. like you said get out the way and people will step up. Um, I've recently stepped to the side of my my whole marketing agency now. As I'm not involved right. with it. I mean, I'm I own it and I bring business in, but I don't get involved in the day to day because. I took over the academy business and I also felt like I was probably getting in the way of certain bits. So it's, uh, it's liberating to, to say, yeah. you know, watch people flourish, but there's so many people in our world that struggle with that. I think, um, yeah. if anyone did want to reach out, Dan, who's listening to this show, would you be prepared to give them a bit of time? Just have a chat to them, give them any advice all day long. I love to, you yeah. know, I, I, you know, I've got, you know, I've been one of the lucky ones. I've had a good story. You know, my journey in recruitment, you know, it's gone like that. You know, there's been challenges along the way, and really, that's the market. Um, but we're on the we're on the run of a really good market. It tends to happen. You know, we have seven years of a. Mm. They always say that you have like seven years or so, and then you have a crash, and then it kind of rebalances, and then you have a good time. And you know, we're on for a good time now. Everyone's can push forward. So, I'm happy to give advice. What went well? What didn't go so well? Yeah, all, all the time. I'll, I'll help people. Wicked. Well, look, I'll um. I'd love to get you on in the future when, uh, let's see if you get to that 2023. Hopefully I'll still be running the show by then, but we'll, we'll yeah. get you on in the future. Let's see uh, if you're still uh, doing the podcast then. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like I'm, I'm going to, I've told everyone I'm having a break at the end of in July this year to revamp the show a little bit. I've done, I've been nonstop since I did. A, I went, I went daily with the show at the beginning of lockdown. Cause I was like, that's right. the only way I know I can give value to as many people as I can. So I just, I, I interviewed people every single day. I did 66 episodes in lockdown in the first lockdown and i was burnt out and then then when i kicked on again in august i think july august i've not had a break since so i'm having a month off but yeah this show is if i had to choose one thing to do as a living this is it i love it more than anything it's my favorite so yeah there'll be no doubt i'll be i'll be doing something like this um cool. dan it's been a pleasure uh i'll like i said we'll definitely get you back on in the future and, and best of luck with everything okay Thank you very much. And to you. Cheers, Sean. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed today's show, I've, I've, I say the same thing every week, right? If I, I truly believe that Dan's story is I mean, it's unique to Dan, but you know, there's so many great people in our sector that are prepared to help each other. Um, don't be stubborn. Don't be sat there in a silo. Reach out. Um, listen to shows like this because together we're stronger. So if you've liked this episode, pass it on. Share the link. Let someone else listen to it. Um, and uh, we, no, we're, we're, we are in a good time. We're coming out of COVID, but you know we, we can all learn more. So with that in mind, I'll be back again next Wednesday with another episode. In the meantime, please stay safe. I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, 
We've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.